you've come on the show today to tell us about this process because we must tell these stories. We Good morning everyone in Australia and welcome to everyone listening across the globe. A special hello to everyone in Russia, Germany and the UK listening live today. A reminder that if you're listening live on any of the socials, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch or Twitter, Payo is ready and waiting online to take your comments, answer your questions and provide you with links about anything we talk about on the show today. You are listening to the Author and Artist Hour with your host, Tony Lontis, and the gorgeous Kez Wickham St. George. But before I introduce you to Kez and our lovely guests today, I want to do our weekly Welcome to Country. It's part of an international movement that acknowledges the special and important role Indigenous communities play in the development of our country's cultural identity. So, I respectfully acknowledge the people of the Yugamba language region, the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast, and pay my respects to Elders past and present, and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples we have here online today and listening across the planet. Now, my beautiful co-host, Keswick St. George, is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author in her own right. She is also an author's mentor, an artist, and she provides amazing video book reviews for people across the planet. Now, we have as our guest today the lovely Sally Newman. And Sally has been described as a professional storyteller, which she loves telling stories. And from as far back as she can remember, she has written stories and poetry. Writing has been her place to escape. Over the years, as Sally has been fortunate enough to extend her craft into being a wedding celebrant, a journaling teacher, an accredited playwriter, and an emerging filmmaker. Sally lives with multiple sclerosis and makes the most out of all her good days. So she's also not only a storyteller, but a mum, a daughter, a friend, a lover, and a creator. Her favourite gift ever is the gift of time, and Sally is blessed to share her time and stories with others. Sally's professional portfolio includes award-winning plays, Fringe World Festival Seasons, 2016 to 2021 International Film Festival Finalist. That's a wonderful big (laughs) mouthful, but Film Festival Finalist a Best Producer Award and recognition for creating productions with all inclusiveness across ability, gender, sexual and cultural diversity. Good morning, Sally, and welcome back to the show, Kez. How are you? We are well. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) We are. Thank you. 
I've really been looking forward to this show because, Sally, you and I have actually not met and I have heard loads and loads and loads about you and the way that you produce films from Kez. And, of course, we all know Kez has been incredibly excited about the project that we're going to talk about today. And I'm actually going to hand over to Kez to start off the interview. Over to you, Kez. Oh, goodness me. Okay, Sally. I hope you've got your seatbelt on because this is going to be really fast and furious. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So, first of all, because we have many, many listeners, um, how did we meet, Sally? I know. I was thinking myself when we first crossed paths, and I believe it probably was probably maybe three or four years ago, we were at a Women's Entrepreneurs yeah. Awards night. Yes. Um, I'm there for the celebrancy and art side of what I do in the community and you were there oh. for your amazing authorship and, and mentoring that you do and we crossed paths there and just started ch- chatting and realised we were both local to our same area. We ended up living streets apart, we've since found out, which is quite humbling and lovely. Around the corner. And, yeah, literally around <laughs> the corner. Um, but, yeah, that's where we first met was at that awards, awards um, dinner up in Perth. Yes, I think you're right. Now... When I first met you, my main interest was that you uh, you taught journaling and you taught creative writing, uh, and you were also a sort of a newbie on the block about um, producing movies, and that's what took my interest. And I do believe that when something like that like sits in the back of your mind for a long time, and you think, how can I uh, bring Sally into my circle? and use my work and that was the main thought when I wrote Scribe and asked you what did you think of the prologue now people may think I just handed you a piece of writing and we went with it (laughs) it's it's different it's so different I remember you saying to me we had a lunch together and I remember you saying yeah it is it's lovely we talk about everything but you said to me do you mind if I change some um some of the words so that went into the movie and I had to take a step back and think, oh, no. But then I thought, well, you're the expert. And this is when it comes to anyone that is meets a person like you that can do such wonderful work with their books. How did that feel, you know, being able to change the prologue I gave you into a movie? Yeah, and it was for me, I was also took a deep breath and went, oh, having that trust from someone to give me their work. I know how important and how precious that is to hand over your your piece of creativity to somebody. And it's the first project I've worked on with someone else's work. So the trust you gave me was insane. Uh, I guess the first thing as far as changing the script went or changing the narrative, so when you have a chance to read Scribe, it's, you just write with such beautiful imagery, Kez, and you and I have spoken about that. And, you know, describing a beautiful beach setting or a person's character could take literally paragraphs, but that takes five seconds on film. And so then the, the biggest challenge, I guess, or the biggest process was not losing your imagery and your beautiful descriptive content in just a five-second moment. Uh, it was really, yeah, it was... I don't have the word pride, but I was yeah, I was really really humbled that you trusted me with your writing to bring it to film, and yeah, it's, as you can see from the smile, it's been something that's been really exciting for me to be able to go. This is someone else's work that I'm bringing to the the big screen. 
Tony. Yeah, I'm just an aura. I'm an aura. I'm an aura. <laughs> she is an amazing filmmaker. I've oh. also, um, I, I haven't been able to get to see one of Sally's shows at Fringe, but I can't wait. I just can't wait to get there. I, I know. How mm. long does your Fringe show? We have, so we've finished one season, so our cabaret season's finished, but we're doing two more nights. I'm doing a show called I Am They, and it's all about sexual and gender diversity, and it's goes for an hour, very powerful. There's only one person out of 12 that has done acting and the rest are lived experience, real people sharing their stories through narratives and monologues on stage. Yeah. And we've got two more nights of that left. Mm. So it's a bit exciting. I remember, remember having lunch with you just after we had chosen the cast and for, the, for this movie and the diversity of people around that table was magic. It really was. It was obvious we weren't all the same. We were not all the same. I mean, I was a, a senior woman with um, with a bit of background behind me with writing and stuff like that. But everyone was so at ease with each other. And you did that. You were like the, the little uh, lady stirring the pot. And I was just blown away by the different genders around that table. It was like, I've never met so many different people all at one table. Normally you meet them in different scenarios. But you yeah. gather these people together so beautifully and you treasure them and that really made a mark on me. Thank you. And I, if I, you know, as I said in the beautiful intro from you, Tony, that I am a mum and I think if you can encourage your children just to genuinely accept everyone, then every story you tell will be beautiful and I guess you have to live that to be able to teach it. So that's why there's such diversity in my life is so that hopefully my children can grow up and understand that, yes, yeah, stories are out there. You just need to listen to them, whether it's the man on the bus, a beautiful lady over lunch, uh, being yourself, and, yeah, just listen to the stories and from there share them. And you can't do that if you don't bring the community together. Mm. That came across as being a mum, Sally, because I obviously next to your daughter um, and her conversation was very adult, yeah. If you you know, like I know she's a teenager, but yeah. there's none of this um like with some scenarios you sit in and because you're a senior, you are not spoken to. Uh, especially by teenagers, you think, Oh, well, that's my nana over there. But your daughter involved me in that group and I was really impressed the way she our conversation and that's through your training and the way she's been able to accept the different genres around the table, different genders. It was yeah, if I came home like saying to you, never guess who I met, you never guess what I saw, who I met. You know, it was really interesting. And I so think thank um, you. it is really important. And I thank my mum for that. She always taught us that no matter what generation you come from, we exist because of the pre the pre generation to us, yeah. whether it's family or not. Those people. Yeah, they have the stories, they have the wisdom, and we need to give them the time. And I'm glad that that comes through with Amelia and, and, and obviously my kids chatting at lunches. Yeah. Well, I like your boy as well. He's gorgeous. Thank you. <laughs> Sally, I know that um, we've got some more questions about um, the process from um, book to movie, but before um, I let kids ask those questions, I'm actually really interested in your journey with um, MS or multiple sclerosis because yeah. that brings certain challenges with life, doesn't it? Can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I was diagnosed in my mid mid twenties, um, and the first probably the first seven to eight years, I didn't know what impact that was going to have on my life, mm-hmm. and I'm it was very yeah overwhelming. Like I literally like I lost my career, I lost mm-hmm. my husband, um, and you question all of those things. But it was very very difficult early on in the diagnosis. I always say that I'm one of the lucky ones because I do have regret like I don't have regressive MS so that there's two kinds there's remissive yeah so mine doesn't progress it doesn't take away from the fatigue and the the chronic pain and when I go into a relapse um, Mm -hmm. I have so much awareness for people with invisible illness of any kind whether that is vision impairment diabetes anyone that has illness or disability that isn't visible to yes. others is yes. really difficult within the community and if I can advocate for that for people that's probably one of my biggest passions uh, I did a show last year called I Want to Folk With You we may have misspelled the title but it was I Want to Folk With You yes. and it was a fun a fun light-hearted cabaret that we had the entire cast were supported ability and um, beautiful yes. lead singer had cerebral palsy another young lady had autism we had ballroom dancing that um wheelchair ballroom dancers and they were dancing with able-bodied people and it was just about bringing everyone together because the other thing that really upsets me in film or even in stories and and any kind of public presentation you talk about inclusiveness but then we just put a particular identifier on stage yes. We yes. just make it disability or we just make it LGBTQI and mm-hmm. my thing is you need to unite both. Um, so we've got allies in the play I'm doing now. We've got allies, for instance, and identifying people with different gender and sexuality rather than just segregating still, um, I think, integrations and people try with the best of intentions to make it inclusive but they end up doing it in a segregated way. And I think because I have lived with MS and I've had those challenges, I'm probably a little bit more empathetic to actually properly uniting people. And Sally, part of that um, understanding that some uh, chronic illnesses are invisible to the public is actually listening when, uh, so both Kez and I have rheumatoid arthritis and it presents itself self in different ways very much like ms and actually related to that group of conditions and it is and it is um identified by lapses relapses exacerbations uh chronic fatigue uh and and body pain and so you get to the you have to get to know yourself really well and allow yourself to go okay i'm tired i actually need to stop and have a nana nap today or i need to take half a day off and do nothing those sorts of things and when we're talking about diversity and inclusiveness that actually extends to all the workplaces in understanding that this human being is battling something that is chronic and which they have little or no control over and it means this in their life if they tell you that they need to rest then they absolutely do need to rest if they tell you that they're having a painful day then they're really having a painful day Um, and I just I think that what you said Sally about 
not showing all the diversity around disability doesn't help anyone understand any better, does it? And I'm just so glad that you're doing that work and including all sorts of uh, things that challenge us as humans and not just presenting the gorgeous, perfect people that we see on the movie screen. And, and Kez mentioned that when we had the post-lunch after audition day, I couldn't have done audition day on my own, so I was surrounded by literally sort of 10 support people on that day, and I think that's also really important. So probably five or six years ago, I would try and be this martyr and do everything on my own because you're in a professional industry, and then I kind of went, okay, take stock, I need a half day off so I can get through a whole process if I've got someone else to, to be my legs for the day, as I call them. Um, she's my legs, yeah. she's my voice, she's my scribe, and that's really important. So I guess when we filmed Cry Tomorrow, it was, and we started the process for that, I knew from the onset that my crew that I chose wasn't always just about the film crew, it was also about my personal support so that project would come together and I, any of your listeners that are struggling with disability or diversity in any way not to hide behind it and that's mm. if I can give that message and not to be embarrassed I used to always be embarrassed I didn't want the pity vote or I didn't want yes now I realized no it actually can be really inspiring for people to know you can achieve within your field and not to be afraid to put your hand up and ask for help because uh, that's what I certainly had to do with Cry of Morrow and, and Kez will, will, will know that because she saw, as I said, at lunch all the support people that were there that weren't needed for an audition day but that was to allow me to be able to get through that that 10-hour day, day. So, yeah. yeah. It was a magic day, it really was. <laughs> I, I don't think I've laughed so much <laughs> in a very long time because some of the actors put their all their life and soul into acting that particular scene you had running um and yeah it was just watching you bring out the best in them and you know you must admit there was uh, people of all ages going for the male side and watching you encourage them uh, there was one one particular senior man there that could not get on the ground like the beach scene it was on guy was injured on the sand and um the way you encouraged them to sit in a chair and the young actress of 2030 sat beside him and they, they had a conversation. I just thought that was pretty special, actually. And that's what you brought out in the whole procedure of, of your casting. It was, um, and I was just, um, I was just viewing how things went on, very interested because it was, it was what I wanted to watch. But yeah, yeah I was amazed at, at the way you brought it all out of, of people that don't be frightened of who you are or what's wrong. I mean, the, the leading character, his son was, uh, I think he was a mute, um, and he was signalling to his dad that he thought he was the best dad in the whole world, and I was watching the signals go on, you know. So it was like, no, um, he asked his dad to play the guitar, so he imitated a guitar because he, he couldn't talk. And it was like, that's fabulous, watching the... Watching everybody interplay with each other was magic. It really was. I was very, very proud to be there, just just as a viewer, just watching what went on because I've always wanted to know what went on in the background. Sally, when I asked you to do this film um, together, was this a um, a hard like how you know where do I go? Because I, I the, the requests I made were it's got to be made in Rockingham because it's. There was three people involved. There was the 
publisher from Rockingham, there was the author from Rockingham, and you're from Rockingham. So I wanted it to be filmed in Rockingham. So where did the ideas for filming come from? Yeah, so obviously once I read the script and I saw the location of, of the characters in that prologue, it instantly, for me, the, the closest we have to a, a rock island. Um, we don't have the necessarily the gorgeous, iconic New Zealand locations here, but we have some close close to it. And yeah, so, so for me, Point Perrin, also Cape Perrin, is a for those listeners, it's a historical section of beach and landscape here in Rockingham, WA. Lots of history. Um, and it is deemed a national park. So we did what we call a passion project. Um, so we went down and sourced different locations. We wanted to have rainy days if possible, but that that brings another whole gamut of challenge into, into <laughs> filmmaking. But there was lots of days leading up in that July, August season before I started filming, just trying to find the right locations um, where we could create cave effects and things like that, but keeping it safe not only for the actors but also keeping it safe and honourable to the land that we were on, um, not walking excessively through the rocks and things like that and because it is a national park reserve, so we wanted to make sure that we were in a really safe space for both yeah, both the environment and the cast. But Point Perrin from day one was the, the go-to place for filming. It just made sense. It's local to where we are. Very blessed that a dear friend of mine, Alison, has a, a private beach shack not far from location. So we were able to set up a, a proper base camp as well for our cast. So they had somewhere to go in between shooting to keep nice. warm because I was running in and out of the ocean and, and so forth. And, yeah, and we had a runner up there on her phone. So she was bringing lunch down and blankets and hot water bottles and things to site as well. So it was really lucky in that respect that we could do it all very locally but also have... A, a sort of a base camp to set up that was close by. Mm. Amazing. I just, yeah, when, when you showed me, I, I sort of knew where it was being filmed and had a little poke my nose in there when nobody was there. I just poked my nose. I thought, this is perfect, absolutely perfect. So mm. tell the viewers and the listeners, what does it take to make a short movie? You know, from being introduced, I mean, it's normally your ideas, yeah, and so normally if I've written in the past, I've made about six short films and I've been very, very blessed that they've all done quite well in the competitions and things that I've put them into. So Focus on Ability is a company that is an international festival and that looks at disability awareness and inclusiveness. So I've won Best Producer twice for that and was very, very humbled to win a, a mentorship through Screens Australia. And the good old imposter syndrome went on because I was like, I'm not, I'm not formally trained. I can't accept mentorships. The whole point is to to better my learning. Um, so I'm learning to accept those things and those accolades as they come. And WA Film Festival, I've been very fortunate last year and also this year. So I'm really looking forward to Cry of Morrow getting out into the film festival side of things. Mm. It is, as I said, always been my work in the past. So taking someone else's script or story was very scary for me because I wanted to do justice of your work and just as much as you're scared to give it to relinquish it I was I was terrified to what if I don't do it justice what if I don't capture the the, the essence of what you want so for anyone I guess that transition from the page to the screen even if it's your own story you you write a context step one is to figure out what category of film you want and I, I say that because there's feature films 
short films and then micro films, excuse mm. me. And the micro films generally are under five minutes and a short film, some festivals and some companies will allow short films to be anywhere up to half an hour, but there's a lot that cut off at 20 minutes. So the first thing we did is I sat down and read the prologue and, and looked at what components we could make visual within a short film and what the story was that we wanted to create. And there was lots of collaboration on that training. So Kez and I have had lots of scones and charcuterie <laughs> boards and lunches and teas together, which has been really lovely um, at her home so that we could genuinely collaborate. And so, yeah, picking the genre first that you want to fit into as far as developing, there's no point in writing your script or your screenplay for a feature film if you're only going to film for 15 minutes. So mm. we chose the 20, well, I chose the 20 minute category because that gives you that little bit more freedom to go into festivals. And also because of the content of the length of the prologue, it didn't really allow to go any longer. And that was always pushing for me because the longest I've done was a 15 minute film. And it seems so short to go out there and shoot a 15 minute film for viewers and listeners, but for anyone that is in the film industry, or even if you're a TikToker, you put a 30 second TikTok up, but the professionals are out there sometimes filming all day to catch that perfect 30 seconds. Mm. So um, it doesn't seem like there's much work. We would initially think, oh, it's only 15 minutes of filming, but you end up with um, a lot of gruelling hours behind the scenes. So step one was to, yeah, as I said, was to determine the length of film that we wanted. Then secondly, I sat down with Kez and I asked what the absolute imperative things were within that script, within her story that she didn't want to lose. And it really was about the not fearing the ocean. It really was about making sure that we listen to our environment and we build that relationship. Um, so sort of the song of the mermaid is our, our preface or our byline for the film that those sounds and those cries of the ocean are there for a reason. And the connection between the two leads was really important that they really are there for survival together. And yeah, there's a few little, little moments in there that she said they did end up with about four things that we wanted to make sure weren't lost in the translation. That was the first two sort of parts of the process. From there, I sat down with highlighters and a good old fashioned pen and paper girl. So we print, yeah. printed out the prologue and I went through, and this is just a really good tip I'm happy to share with anyone who's thinking, how do I make written word into something visual? And I just went through and highlighted in one colour what I thought could be a visual component, so it might be a sun setting or the rain falling onto rocks or a wound on a person, it might be a particular costume that keeps coming up in a, in a story. So go through first and highlight all the things that you know can be visual. visual. And then went through another colour and looked at what was direct narrative between sto the story. Um, and that's where we came up with the first challenge, wasn't it, Kez? Because there was yeah. very, very limited narrative between the two characters. And I'm thinking if I just do the narrative alone, I'm going to have a 45-second movie. So um, I then had to work on what other aspects were beautifully written that I could perhaps do as a voiceover or that I could change into a memory of a lead. So um, I don't want to give too much of the, the concept mm. away of what the story is about and the film's about, but... That was the sort of the, the guideline. So highlight what can be visual, highlight the direct narrative of a story, and then look at what other components could you change to become a narrative. So still using Kez's story, her language, her context, but instead of it being a description, it might be a reflection. 
from a from a character to look back at that moment and then we get an extra narrative in. Ah, um, so that was how we did it. Awesome insight, Sally. Um, I've got so many questions. <laughs> um, but firstly, I need to know, in terms of um, short movies, where do they go? Like, how do you enter them into film festivals? Is like you would enter a book into a book competition. Is that the same exactly. thing for films? Yeah, exactly the same. So there's a really good, and again, this is just really good advice for any of your viewers. There's a, a global company it's mm. online called Film Freeway, and it basically mm. is like a classified um, section. Of yeah. film. So Film Freeway, you go on, you can log in, and it literally any film festival globally that is looking for entrance, you and and there's some of them have really big fees. Some of them, you know, you're paying ten dollars to enter. Some will do yeah. a community fee entry, but you upload all your information and you can um, put them out to the festivals that way. And so, yeah, that's a really good starting point for anyone is through Film Freeway because you can look locally at what people have registered for what's coming up um, yeah. and then you can look also globally for the international competitions as well. And then generally, so like I said, I've only done I've only done the online stuff where I've sent in things and they generally, when a festival then launches, so you'll do everything mm. online through, through the format um, and then normally those festivals will then have a weekend or a week, sometimes up to a month of festival viewing. Mm -hmm. Very few are online. I guess more and more in the last few years they have been online festivals. But yeah. prior to that, generally they will hire a big cinema complex within their hometown of where the base of that festival is and they screen for sort of three or four days all the different entrants. And so some of them are for competitive reasons and some are just to put into have a festival and view them. So we've got, you know, Trot yeah. Fest over here, February May Festival, there's lots of different ones. I've only ever looked really locally um, and within Australia. I haven't gone yet global, but it's ah. tomorrow, that's all. I hate the emerging. It's all very new for me. So when I did yeah. the Focus on Ability Film Festival, that was actually a lady with a disability that approached me and said, I wish I could do something like this and have my story told. And that was the first thing. And my kids actually said, Mum, go tell her story. I went, I don't do filmmaking. They went, but just to go tell her story. Even if it never gets chosen, you're helping that lady tell mm. a story, even if it's just in her own backyard to watch it. And so that was my first ever, and I thought, how am I going to do this? Like I really was a novice. So I sat down, got her story, and we decided that she would do it through song because she was a beautiful singer. And I said, basically, I'm just going to film a video clip, like a music video, but a few voiceovers within that to create a film. And I rang a friend who does theatre, promotions and they said I don't do filming and I went but you do because you do the promos for the theatre shows I just need the same thing but I'll give you yes. Yes. I'll give you the promo so to speak so John Lambert and myself worked on that we created a little three and a half minute video with song and I cast it and we acted it out and the next thing you know we have a phone call and we were flown across to Sydney from WA all expenses paid for a week and we were top finalists in the international festival so that, I guess, was my validation that it doesn't matter yeah. that I had formal training, that it really was if you are truly passionate about something, then your craft will develop. And I mm -hmm. guess cares in yourself, Tony, as a, a host <laughs> and cares as an author, that you can support that comment that if you are passionate about something, mm -hmm. your yes. craft will develop and don't be afraid of that. Yeah. Mm. Very true. Yeah. 
Sally, um, just sorry, Kez, I'm just I'm curious about how you fund projects. Like, if there's authors or um, people listening online today, how do you go about funding small projects like short yeah. movies? Because yeah. you so hear all the time about, sorry, Sally, you no, hear all right. the time about the cost of of uh, producing a, a Hollywood movie. Now, they're only like two, two and a half hours. Some of them are, are, are 90 minutes. And they have these million-dollar budgets. So I'm like, mm-hmm. how do you scale it back? How does the funding work? How do you make this happen? So in the past, it's been myself funding things and it's been calling on I think in the in the intro we talked about my gift of time. If you give enough time to people, you quite often will get time back. And and so I've been very blessed in that respect that I have an amazing network socially and through work and different aspects where I can call on people to go come help me. Hence the phrase passion project. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, and in and in probably up until the last two years, I've self funded everything where I can. And it's always yeah. been time and good old bartering. There is funding yes. available to most councils and some of the screen production companies in Australia, and I'm sure it's the same in other, other areas. Um, there are grants available for the arts. It is ridiculously competitive out there to get yeah. funding for grants for the, within the arts industry, whether that be music or film or what have you, yes. dance. And a lot of it, unfortunately, is only for not-for-profit companies. So we do rely, and even the big feature films and the big Hollywood films, they do rely lots on sort of split, split profitability. So they'll get sponsorship and corporate sponsors to come on board and, and fund those projects with the hope to then, you know, you get your kickback. It's almost like buying in. Um, from the yes. short film point of view, we were also very similar. I, I For me... I do. I call anything creative my therapy. So I'm very blessed that I don't rely on my arts business to to be my form of income. Mm-hmm. So it really is for me my therapeutic hours in a week. And but I made a commitment to myself that when I started becoming professional, earning money from my productions in mm-hmm. theatre and producing and winning awards, that I didn't want to not pay cast and crew. So. Yes. When we sat down, when Kez and I sat down, I went, this would be the bare minimum cost, not to cover the cost of equipment. And we were very lucky that location fees didn't cost us anything. So if you were going into a street area or a shopping centre where you had to block those things off, you didn't have to get filming rights. And they can cost up to $10 an hour just to block off that section of space. Because we shot the film in a public space. It was just at a, a beach. We had to yeah. work around with the other people on site. We didn't barricade it off and go, it's exclusively hours so they refer to that as guerrilla filming because you're not you're in a public space hoping to work around who's there as opposed to block the location off um those sorts of things make a difference but i said to kez this is the bare basic budget that i would need to be able to honor and pay something to the cast and crew Mm -hmm. and from there it was kez shouting out and getting sponsorship and and amazing people coming on board um to offer their support and and, yeah, that's how the finances of this film came about. Um, but, yeah, there is grants and funding out there, I'm sure, in, yeah. in every place, but people do rely a lot on on the sponsorship and the, the corporate yes. kind of funding to come on board. Mm. 
So what Amazing. you're saying, Sally, it's because it, and you have just proven that with enough passion, you can create great things from not a lot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that every time I have lunch and, and chat with Kez that we always go off, off topic. We don't talk. We start talking film or book <laughs> or projects and then we just get yes. two creatives in the same space. You know what it's like, Tony, but two creatives come together yeah. and Kez and I just, we don't stop, do we, Kez? Um, no, we don't. <laughs> and I think, yeah, it is. If you are passionate about something, whether it's, and that can be in anything, it can be your work, your relationship, your garden. People who are passionate garden gardeners have the most beautiful array and people who are passionate parents raise their kids well I just think no matter what you are passionate about you will get the rewards uh, and that can flow through to creative projects as well mm. I'd like to talk more about um, so the people understand that um, it isn't it isn't forbidden to apply for grants or get supportive people to help you along like um, Tony Tony Lontis um she put something towards the movie some other people put you know so it was all added up and put into the to the big basket so you could pay people but you know if we ever did it again i'd be certainly applying for a grant and once mm. i uh, contacted the grants officer here in rockingham um you know she welcomed me and she went you should have applied and i thought well it was such a, a short a short time span i had i wanted to get things cracking you know so it's not impossible. Everything, you know, if you're really passionate about your work, uh, you will find these people come out the woodwork. I mean, I mean, I approached Tony, but other people were approaching me in the end because, mm. you know, once once you did that flyer, um, mm. and I put it out there, people in the states were asking, "How can we get involved?" And by then, my sort of thought, well, I'll save you for the next time. So <laughs> you never know. You never know not what's out there. It's just you know, you've just got to be brave and. And really, if you're a creative, stick to what you your dream is. Yeah. yeah definitely. Sally, not, um, yes. Um, the the process of making a short movie is that um, likely to lead to interest in producing a, a fuller, bigger feature film. So with Kez's work, that's the prologue that you filmed. Crive Morrow is the prologue for her book, Scribe. So if the prologue, and I know that the, it's a spectacular short film, is that likely to garner interest from bigger film producers that go, oh, wow, that's really good. Let's have a look at what the bigger... Is that a... a feasible thing to happen yeah and I'm sure that does work um as I said it's, it's a very new world for me and yeah it is as Ted said it's not it's now that point um as a creative where you need to put your hand up and go this is me and I remember when I was about 19 working in retail many years ago and I wanted desperately to get into management my dad had said to me back in the days of faxes um he said just fax, just fax head office every every week so they get to know your name. And I said, fax them with what? And he goes, even if it's a blank bit of paper, you can just apologise that the fact the thing is playing up. But put your name on that every single week so that after the first six months of working, they'll be, oh, I know who Sally is. And I guess <laughs> as we get older, we tend to, I don't know, because it is a new industry for me, the filmmaking side of things. I don't know anything about the wedding industry or about producing theatre shows. Mm -hmm. And I'm 100% confident I know 
my industry, but because films are so new, you tend to guard yourself a little bit and not want to send yes. that blank back every week. So yeah. I guess working with Tez has been a really good encouragement for myself to say, we've got a project now. It's not about putting it into a small festival. Now it is, do we send it out? No different to musicians sending out 500 yeah. demos and 499 get not back and then one person goes, oh, I love this, let's give it airtime. Um, so that's a new a new avenue for myself to start discovering, that not just the film festival side of things, but what do we then do as a demo to send that to other production companies and go, hey, is this a script that you consider um, featuring or developing on? I would love, I'm finding myself now, because of the MS, I can't film as well as I used to, so now I'm relying yeah. on other people to do filming. And that's a big let go for me of yeah. control because I like visually, I'm a very visual person. So to be able to look through that lens and see exactly what it is that I'm capturing is important. But mm. Cry of Mario was one of the first ones where I started to produce a little bit more as opposed to mm. doing all of the filming. And I had two other mm. filmmakers that came in to do mm. the cinematography with me. Uh, yeah, I just find that I don't have the strength to maintain yes. that like I did two years ago. So yeah, you have to ask for help, get the right support and then find those avenues. But I do believe it will be the same for film as it is for music, but it's something mm. that, I, that honestly now I haven't delved into putting that work out there into the bigger companies to develop into feature films and things. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I um, I agree with what you're saying, Sally. It's it's it, putting your hand up is, is the big thing, isn't it? And recognising, you know, we, we do have, three of us do have um, chronic disabilities in some way or form. And so holding our hand up and saying, I, I can't do it, sorry, is there someone that can help? You know, I could never have thought about, well, I, I wanted to. I want to do everything by myself. I want to do the film. I want to do the book. I want to do the voiceover, <laughs> the music. You know, I want to do it all myself. But it's, I have no idea. So, you know, you go to an expert or someone that you connect with and that's what we did when we first met and and that's what i like all the listeners to know is that when you when you meet someone there's always like a different these connections going on all over the place uh we don't know about them but you were in the back of my mind for what two or three years yeah. <clears throat> excuse me so when i did ask you to would you be interested it was um oh my god she said yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really beautiful. Thank you, Kez. And I, yeah, and this is, again, advice for any viewer or listener not to doubt your ability. When someone asks you, they've asked you for a reason. Because I did, I went home, no doubt, you go home going, oh, she said yes. I went home going, oh, my God, I said yes. Um, <laughs> people have asked you for a reason. So you might not see what you're doing and achieving, but you're community yeah. and your industry and your peers do mm. so you need to allow yourself that yeah that honor and that achievement and that accolade to work with those people and and yeah they know your capabilities they've seen what you do so have a little bit of trust in yourself and that's hopefully my message to all of the viewers today whether it's pen to paper or paintbrush just um trust your instincts if someone's asking you to do it it's for a reason 
I can okay. tell you, Sally, that when Kez um, had her meeting, she told me about the meeting that she was having with you, and then subsequently after that, when when you'd said yes, she Kez was so <laughs> excited, and I was just so happy for her that 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 one of those dreams that Kez has held for a long time is you know to bring to the screen her stories was actually going to happen and if from my perspective it's flowed really beautifully seamlessly effortlessly and I can't wait for the opportunity to see it so Sally where will we be able to see Cry of Morrow? Yeah so initially we're going to do sort of a small private sort of private slash public it'll be invite only but we'll do a small a, a local release in mm. mid-March Yes, and so with deadlines and filming, we had hoped I had I had hoped to get it into the WA Made Film Festival and the Perth Independent Film Festival for this year, but mm. the deadlines for those sort of cut off around August of the pre like the pre year oh. for twenty twenty one. So oh they cut goodness. off before sometimes. So we were still going through the final stages of development. So we weren't ready to submit. I didn't want to submit not perfect, mm. and so. As I've mentioned to Kate, so we'll do a, a private kind of small invite-only launch mid-March. So then by mid-year, so by August, we'll then put those that film through to the two local film festivals or the, the, the state film festivals. Yeah. We'll look at others within Australia first. So by the end of this year, they'll be submitted into the festivals. And that's the other thing with filmmaking. Mm. It, it's a process. Um, it doesn't happen have an idea one day and a month later it's it's written yes. and then a month yeah. later it's published in bookstores. I would love for it to be that. Um, mm. There is lots of, of layers and, and stages that we need mm. to work through and, and funding as well. Sometimes funding is yeah. a bigger project. As that slows mm. down, then the project slows down with the bigger films. Um, but then once we've done, so if we choose to put it into the film festivals, we can't release it online or anything we sort of sign disclaimers that it gets debuted at the festivals. So yes. once we find out okay. if it's been accepted into the festivals, once they have screened it, we can then release it um, on, on social medias and we can do web, YouTube and website links and things for oh, the film. But that may be wow. 8 to 12 months away just because of the timing of festivals. Festivals only happen once a year. So because we want to keep everything mm. very local and we've been very yeah. proud to be able to keep things local, we need to allow that festival to come around which will be this time next year and then we could yeah. we once we find out if we've been accepted we can then we can then flood the market so which is oh, exciting but it will take probably another sort of eight to twelve months for it to become mm. public because we need to allow those disclaimers for debuting at festivals yes and the festivals Amazing. obviously want debuted content <laughs> at the festival. That's yeah. the whole reason for having absolutely. it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That is so. So watch this space, as they say in the classics. You have to have me back <laughs> in twelve months' time when we're on oh, the big screen. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So Sally, we're nearly out of time, actually. So how <laughs> can we contact you? What What are the contacts? If someone out there says, "Look, I'd love to make." A short movie. I have a fab I've written a fabulous book or I've got a, a script here that I'd like you to look at. Where could they contact you and send the information to? 
Yeah, so the, the easiest way to contact me is on Instagram or on Facebook. The good old social medias is 100% the easiest way and it's Lyrical Infusion is the the company name. So Lyrical Infusion and that is the absolute best way to to contact me and then from there I can do direct contact through phone or email. But if they jump onto the social medias, Instagram or Facebook, mm. Lyrical Infusion. Fantastic. Sally, when you, um, so the process with Kez was that she had written content and I'm guessing and what you described was like you have to create a screenplay from that written content and that's what drives the, the, the movie at large, yeah? Yeah, so with a screenplay, it literally is a completely different template to a, a novel or a poem yeah. or a short story, and it literally is you have to cue every camera angle on a screenplay. You need to cue what you want as a close-up, what you want as a wide shot, uh, when the, what timing is the narrative coming in, what emotion is in the narrative. So all of those elements of choice in writing that came directly from Keza's work. So when she's talking about an ocean scene, I would do a wide angle or if it was about desperation, it would be a closed up or an angle of a foot. And so it really is all those con all those tiny little components. And so it probably took I would say six to eight weeks to develop the screen the screenplay. Yes. And so that it was it did justice to describe the prologue and yeah, and just to make sure that I hadn't missed any of those vital contents from the book. But the, the development, the transcribing it into a script uh, or a screenplay is certainly, and that generally is, it's quite funny because they wear all different hats and that's, I guess, where the comment professional storytelling yeah. came from. I don't care what the storytelling is. I don't care if it's reading a letter to grandma or if it's dancing at your local school. Self-expression is storytelling and I suppose if I took the hats off and broke them down, generally the producer, the casting agent, the the writer would all be very different roles. Yes. Kez just lucked out that you got one person that likes to do it all. Um, yes. That's the Leo control freak in me. But yeah. <laughs> the funding to be that little bit more um, achievable uh, for the project because there wasn't payments for all these separate different, different roles. Yes. But I have been approached since by two other writers to ask how to develop into a screen screenplay mm. as I said for me and it's very different because some people do this as a, a living and a source of income for myself that's not why I do it and yes. um, my partner Dean when very early on when I met him said I know what I'm going to put on your gravestone and I went oh <laughs> are you trying to get with me already and he said, I'm going to put on that and that was 11 years ago I'm going to put she didn't she doesn't she didn't bake but she inspired people and I've always used that as my thing because yeah, yeah I so instead of taking that script off the other person and making it into a screenplay I gave her the same advice that I gave your viewers on how to break that down into visual mm. content content or reflective monologue um so yeah I think professionals sometimes get lost in that that corner of it's my money, it's my project, it's my skill set, whereas mm. I'm not that person. And if I'm not, that's why I think I, I get on so well with Kez because Kez also is very much the mentor and yes. we have this amazing generation coming through but we need to sometimes just gift that craft. Yes. Um, so lots of different roles. But, yeah, the screenplay adaptation 
is certainly a very, it is a vital part of it. Because mm-hmm. if you haven't got that, you can't get a, a third party cinematographer in and you can't get someone mm-hmm. to edit. Even our music, I can do a shout out to Michael Baker. He is an incredible musician that I've worked with in the past. And he himself and two other people composed the entire film score for us. But mm-hmm. right down to the sound of the seagulls, the ocean, everything is done through percussion and sound. There's no sound effects. So the entire oh. film is done through a live music score. And it's just phenomenal. Amazing. So with that, he has to have what they call a timesheet. So the timesheet is that at, you know, 4 minutes 12, I need a seagull to 4 minutes 14. And then at 4 minutes 14 to 4 minutes 19, I need wind and a seagull. Like it's literally that complex. The timesheet runs all 20 minutes. So you can imagine where the funding and the time comes in for a feature film. So Gosh. 20 minutes was epic in the last eight months. It's been a, a massive project for me over eight months to be working on. But literally right down to you break that script and that time score down to every scene. Yeah. yeah. Sally, we're going to run out of time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I've got just one final thing. As you're talking, I'm, and and you said before that you were a very visual person. Do you actually visually see Kez's content, and that drives the screenplay and the music score? That visual scenery that you see when you read Kez's content. Does that happen? Is that part of your creative process? Yeah, it does for myself, absolutely. And I think, and that's where it's really important to work with people that see your vision. And so Michael and and my special effects makeup artist, I've worked with both of them in the past because you can have someone brilliant at their job. If Mm. they don't see the same vision as you, it doesn't come come onto the screen or it doesn't come into the story. And that's what the importance of casting was and that's why I had Kez there as well to make sure that her visual and her vision was also a part of that, that it wasn't just mine Mm. because it was someone else's work. I wanted to do justice to having Kez collaborate with that. And and I know that you were overwhelmed on the day, Kez, of a casting day. We had sort of 25 people. She did. She said it was overwhelming but fantastic. Yeah, but I think that was really important for me because it wasn't just my vision that was being seen. Uh, I wanted to make sure that we were on that same, same page, so to speak. Certainly were. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm um, very grateful. Yeah, she. I have been um, looking forward to talking to you live on the show for so long because oh, Kez you. has spoken so often and so lovingly about you and the process of doing a short film. Um, we are completely out of time. Kez yes. and I will make sure that we get you back um, at another stage when we can um, talk a bit more about Grive Morrow. And if you've got any other projects that you'd like to talk about, please reach out to Kezarai and let us know because it's been a fascinating conversation today. Um, and just for the listeners, finally, just connect with Sally if you've got questions yes. via yes. Instagram or Facebook. And um, we're really appreciative of your time to come on the show today, Sally. And Kez, as always, an absolute delight to co-host the show with you. Yes. And that, my friends, is your lot for the Author and Artist Hour this week. We'll be back next week with another wonderful show. Please join us then. Thank you, Sally. Thank you, Kez. Bye for now. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.
I'm so grateful that you've come on the show today to tell us about this process because we must tell these stories. We must.